0: what's going on boys and girls ladies and gentlemen we're here with another episode of game share and i am finally here with somebody who has a totally unhealthy obsession with open susa and that is i already got you <laughs> on audio saying otherwise wendy has pictures you're wrong
1: well yeah you know i mean those are, those are slips those are slips
0: says the guy wearing the open susa shirt
1: with the open susa plushie
0: Ah, uh, so Nate, why don't you give the people some uh, background on what are some of your actual
1: hobbies besides OpenSUSE? I think we just covered the list. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. So I, I like uh, technology. I'm a. I, I my long branding um, tagline is I'm a Linux vintage. And uh, a Linux fitness and vintage tech enthusiast with an almost unhealthy obsession with the OpenSUSE project. That means like everything that OpenSUSE does. But uh, so when it comes to, like Linux, I like lots, I like everything Linux. It's, it's fun. I like playing with other Linux distributions a little bit and I like to dabble here and there. I'm always you know, playing with something in, in the realm of Linux, not just OpenSUSE. And then vintage tech, I, I love, especially with the Commodore. Uh, you know, that's where I started, Commodore 64, then the Amigas, and then I've recently purchased an Atari 400 that I started dabbling with a little bit. Not a lot, just, just started. I got the old VIC-20, which was actually before my computing time, but I still have it. And then I also, I like you know technology in general. So you know I'm, I'm playing with Home Assistant and I'm, I'm uh, retrofitting my dwelling. So it means house and my cubicle labs with smart switches. So I've been learning how to program the switches, like put in flash new firmware on the ESP-based chip. And, and program them with the desired states and so forth. And, and so I like everything to do with technology. And also I like, um, I, I just moved out and to, be a, to be a country mouse and I like all the things that, that are involved in, in living out in the country away from people. Nothing wrong with people, gotta have people. People make the world go around But I like uh, having like a, a small little subsistence farm. So I got, you know, I got poultry. I got a couple of fruit trees, a few, a few more than a couple. I have a few fruit trees that i planted. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of want to like, uh, the, the idea of living not off grid, but living where uh, I can volunteer to be a part of the grid or whatever is, it's my choice, you know, and then also contribute back into the society in which I live. That's, those are the things that I enjoy doing. And then of course, fitness, I, I like to, uh, I work out daily uh, to keep, uh, keep the headaches away ultimately, but it makes me feel good. So, you know, going for a run, I have like trails I can run now, uh, lifting heavy things up. And putting heavy heavy things down and, and and whatever sometimes my kids and uh and, and pretty much I, you know i like uh, i like being outside a lot so um i'm one of those rare nerds that actually likes the outdoors um and i want to kind of make the outdoors more nerdy if that makes any sense and that is a that is a topic in and of itself right there <laughs>
0: Well, see, the thing is, is like being a nerd or geek or anything is really just a being about passionate about whatever it is you're into, and oh for sure. And so I find it ironic when people are like, "Oh, well, you know, geeks and nerds are like the basement dwelling computer, you know, dwellers." (laughs) And it's like, not really, because like you and Wendy, you guys like, you guys are like technology, but you guys are also outside enjoying, you know nature and the giant orange thing in the sky that i have no idea what that is um so you know it's really (laughs) it really does boil down to just being passionate about what you like to explore in life you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what it is and that's really kind of how i come across these game recommendations because Mm -hmm. obviously you know we we have a banter back and forth on extend that talks about how we, uh, you know, you're a retro gamer, and like you don't game anything past, you know, basically
1: 1989 at best, 92, 93, whenever Descent came out, the so 92 or 93, I think. <laughs> you do have Descent three, though. That, that's true. That doesn't count, though.
0: <laughs> you also have a bunch of other games that you recently received that were prior to
1: 1989. You're this is true, but those games I feel like are more are more in the tradition of the older games if that makes any sense you know there, there's yeah. you know, like some of these like these newer uh games like i, I got a ps4 recently that and that now I, no, don't tell anybody this but i got a ps4 recently and we did talk about that and i i've tried playing it a little bit but i feel like the games are not really geared for me i think maybe like the little big planet that's a lot of fun it has a, you know, it's thats that 2.5D. Is that what it's called, I think? Yeah. Is what you refer to it as? It's yeah, got it's 3D a, elements.
0: It's a, it's a 3D element backgrounds with like 2D side scrolling motion. Yeah. And, and 3D character models. But
1: Right. And, and those are a lot of fun to play. And, you know, because I know they're, they're just a more, maybe I'm simple-minded. I don't know what it is there, but like, I like games that are just, I can jump in, have some fun and then jump back out and then jump in whatever I feel like. Again, like I, I don't have to be uh, too heavily uh, invested in like, uh, you know, like, like in reflexes and whatnot. Like we I mean, don't have to have great reflexes to play Little Big Planet. You don't have to have great reflexes to play Super Mario World or any of the variants. Uh, I, obviously, some people may argue that, and you know, people who speed run and do fa- crazy things. But I just like, I am a casual gamer. I like to game uh, a lot of times just with my, you know, with my family uh, because we, we like to play games together. So there's a whole, I mean, so basically you fill in that genre that's, or close to that genre. And that, that to me is, is about the kind of gamer that I am.
0: Uh, Tesla effect, a Tex Murphy adventure. Mm-hmm. This is set in, uh, I believe 2049, 2050. I don't remember the exact. Thank you. I don't I was going to say the exact date, excuse me. Uh, the Tex Murphy games go back to 1989. That there we reason, go. That reason alone. <laughs> Was the reason I made this recommendation to Nate, but also the FMV portion of it, which makes it an early 90s game, early to mid 90s game, Mm -hmm. which would be more up your alley. And the fact that it's point and click. This game came out in 2014. It was done by a big Finnish games. They've had a couple other games. Um, It's basically a reformation of the original studio that made the Tex Murphy games, the original creators and the original actors and all the stuff. So the same guy who was in the FMVs in 1989 is the guy playing Tex Murphy in 2014.
1: <laughs> that's great. That is that's awesome. awesome.
0: So uh, one of the other games that these guys have had was one called Three Cards to Midnight. And as I said, the first game for Tex Murphy came out in 1989 and it was called Mean Streets. That was the name of that particular game, as Nate slowly searches for that particular game now. <laughs>
1: uh, that sounds familiar now that you uh, say that. I didn't I didn't do any research. I just played the game and went 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 from there.
0: So for those that are wondering what we're gonna be looking at as far as content for this particular game. We're gonna be looking at the audio, the graphics, the story, the control, and whether or not the game's actually worth its money. So each one of these categories Nate, is a one to 10. So, and at the end of it, we add it up and we make the determination whether or not do will continue to either attempt to or try to play this game? This episode, GameSphere is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new App Platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, scale apps and static websites faster, easier than ever using a simple and intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repositories and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static websites, Docker, and container images by running app platform on their own infrastructure. DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smooth migration path so that you can take more control of your infrastructure setup too. As a Gamesphere listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world changing apps with their app platform for free. And it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you $100 credit when you sign up at do.co DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN. And to get started with your free hundred dollar credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform, and we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Games Here. We're gonna talk sound. Uh, so this is literally the opening of the game, and the one thing I've understood about the sound is there's a lot of kind of atmospheric stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The Tex Murphy games tend to be very neo noir as far as like their feel, like they're they're very Dick Tracy and that kind of vibe that they're going for. Uh, the one thing that some people will be kind of put off by is the fact that you basically feel like you're a floating pair of legs because <laughs> there's really no um, audio feedback from like where you're stepping and stuff. That's just it's it's kind of par for the course for these 3D adventure games. I mean, some of them have it, some would don't, but
1: that's kind of a nitpick. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see that as being a a problem, really. It I isn't.
0: Mean, it isn't nitpick, but some people that does matter to some people because they, they think it takes away from the ambience and the, the immersion. So, it, it's something. Okay. To, it's something to know. But I think the the sound effects are appropriate. There, there's plenty of you know cyberpunky whooshy and you know Star Trek mm-hmm. type sounds. I think the ambience, as far as just like what you hear in the background for like music and that kind of stuff, fits the neo noir more than the cyberpunk. But it oh, works, for sure. But it definitely works for it because the, they're more interested in the neo noir as opposed to say a game like Dex, which is very much a, in for the cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays to that strength. It's like it's literally almost like Blade Runner as far, in in that regard, as far as. Blade Runner was more about the investigation and that atmosphere, and the the cyberpunk type stuff was more in the background, and that's right. really what this this does. That, but with neo noir as opposed to, um, like a PI investigative kind of uh, story uh, atmosphere. But and the voice acting, I actually like the voice acting as cheesy as as cheesy as some of this game is, and we'll get into that uh, when we get into yep. like story and gameplay. But overall, I would probably give the sound like a seven or an eight, just because there are some things that some people won't really care for, like the the lack of ambience with the the actual player per se and the first person view. But for that, me, just, it's not that big of a deal.
1: D- just some perspective, like on my end. So here's the things that I really enjoyed about about the game. All right, number one, okay, it takes place in in 2050. So when it opens up, you see like the flying car thing, which you know we still don't have those they didn't have tires that, you know, turned under like, you know, the DeLorean, but you know, that's all right. I can deal <laughs> with that. But what I like now the, just the guy's office, it looks like, it's such a clashing of the ages. If you look, you know, everything from the the rug that, that beaded like wrapped rug. I remember like growing up with, you know, it looks like it's from mm-hmm. 1970s. The fact the guy has a, an old record player, but it's like the kind that you crank and you can play whatever song. I can't remember the name of the, 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 the whatever, whatever country music it was. Uh, little cheesy things like, you know, when he, when he clicked on the guitar and he says, you know, he, uh, he got some signature on it, but it rubbed off because it's done with a dry erase marker, you know, little things like that. Just incredibly funny. Um, and yeah, right, right there. And yeah, Gene Audrey. Yep. And, uh, there's also the, like the computer, very modern looking, they kind of like you know, the juxtaposition between that and like the rest of the room is, uh, not not jarring in a bad way, but like it's like you know it, it it feels almost out of place, but like natural because of the rest of the, you know the the, the different clashing of the ages and the fact that he has a, he has a fax machine, so that what that tells me is, in you know by 2050 so 30 years from now 29 years from now we're still going to be using fax machines and um and that's a good feeling. <laughs> Lawyers will never catch up with the fact that they always will need a fax machine. Right. What lawyer (laughs) slash dance instructor? True. Right. Or is it PI dance instructor? Anyway. So, but there's a lot of things like uh, even like the the bed there. I mean, it just it's just so gaudy 1970s, which makes me laugh. Or is it 80s? I don't know.
0: Yeah, but Um, what you're talking about is more the aesthetics of the game, mm -hmm. um, where. What, what was your take on like the overall sound of the game though like just the audio presentation and that kind of stuff
1: i thought it was great i mean i don't have like let's, we should you know just to be clear i don't have like super high standards when it comes to like the games like the audio so the the audio isn't crackling the audio doesn't skip it doesn't do anything crazy it sounds good you know the little cut scenes here and there i think they're incredibly funny what would you give the sound? Like if on a one to 10, what would you give the sound? On a one to 10. All right. So I never give anything a 10 because well, there's no, nothing to Nothing's ever perfect. Right. Right. Um, so um, I would say I'd, I'd probably give the, uh, um, give it a solid nine.
0: So I did. You talked about the atmosphere and the kind of the design of the game. What was your take on the graphics when you actually first actually got past? I don't know. The FMVs are an integral part of the game. So, what was your take when you first fired up the game with like the FMVs and then getting into the actual 3D exploration of the game?
1: All right. So that was that's this is that's a really hard category for me, and I knew it was going to be an issue because in my mind, because I'm more of an older game gamer, that that changes my. Uh, How I look at games, essentially. Now, if I compare this something to like a AAA title, like I would see on like a PS4, since I don't really have any on Steam, it's definitely not as good. So, but this is also a lot better than, let's say, you know, a game from twenty years ago, like Starfleet Academy, or or even you know, Far Cry from way back when, not the remastered one. So, where there's, I, I would say, there's a lot you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to give this, I'm going to be generous on this. I'm going to give it an eight because the graphics aren't glitchy. The, the, um, the environment is immersive enough. I feel like I'm there ish, but in a digital way. And, uh, and so I think it's, I would say, I'm going to give it a solid eight because it's not bad. None of the, none of the graphic, you know, deficiencies take away from the enjoyability of the game. and. And also, I don't think graphics are the, uh, unless if they're really bad, I I don't consider that a a deterrent to purchase a game, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, so you have to take into account when, uh, obviously, this game was made in 2014. Right. You also have to take into account, this is a, I never did mention this, but this was a Kickstarter game. Oh, I didn't know that. There was... They raised about $670,000, give or take. Um, I don't remember the exact um, requirement that they were looking for for the original game. But that would play into some of the graphics. I believe they're using Unity. So this is an older version of Unity, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So a lot of that will factor into it, given where Unity was, where it is now. it's one of those things where you have to judge it almost based on the time it came out. So like looking at a game from 20 years ago that might not be graphically impressive to, you know, a a PS4 or PS5, or, you know, the high end PC games now compare it to the time and what was out then, then it's a different story. So for me, this falls into probably what most 3d Adventure games around that time would have looked like if they're strictly based off the Unity stuff. But for me, I would have to give it, I like the atmosphere. The blockiness of some of the stuff is kind of a little distracting. Like, there's not a, a fine a refinement to it. Like, the lack of refinement plays nicely into the atmosphere of the game, but in a way, like. Th- the way certain things look without that refinement also kind of detract from it a little bit. I'm speaking fidelically and graphically speaking, not, mm-hmm. not overall aesthetic and atmosphere of the game. So for me, I'd probably give give this like a seven just because it's not super high end for the time. It's not low end either. It's kind of that weird middle ground where they, they could have probably done a little more if they had a little bit bigger budget but I I give the atmosphere of the design for the graphics and that stuff a lot higher props for what they were able to do. And we can't not talk graphics without talking FMVs. So one of the FMVs I was playing was like when I clicked on the the candy by his bed, he ends up puking out the window because of it. You know, just little stuff like that. It adds at least a sense of connection to an, an otherwise... Um, walking around a floating pair of well, KVC legs. So <laughs> I think that that helps build a character connection a little more, and that that is definitely something that in these type of games does matter because really the story is the thing that pushes them forward.
1: yeah, i I like the those little cutscenes like that like I mean, you don't you don't have to the, you don't have to see that cutscene, but the fact that they put that in there with the candy. I think it's great. It it doesn't necessarily advance the story at all, but it just it's a nice um it's it's a nice addition, a nice bit of interaction with a game. It makes the world that you're interacting seem more like an actual world, not just like a computer game if that makes any sense. Uh,
0: that for me does actually come into play and does matter because it's really the atmosphere is really what makes or breaks these kind of games.
1: Random scaffolding in the alley. I mean, random. Scaffolding. I think that's a good touch.
0: You have the irony of the Ritz Hotel being like this rundown, kind of dingy little, <laughs> like, like that. That's yeah. something you would expect in like a neo noir kind of deal. Like irony and that kind of stuff really does matter, right? Um, example: he, He's looking back at his history. He's like, <laughs> my pipes are always magic," and then you get the a little cut scene right here. <laughs> like that stuff is just it's it's cool little stuff like that which i i appreciate and i think adds to the character connection a little more but uh yeah so for me i think that kind of st- like these kind of things add to the the overall atmosphere of the game and really do help play to its play to its strengths and whatnot what was your impression of the story now there the this is going to be a little bit hard because it's you haven't actually played much more than the that first hour or two. So, is there enough of a story so far that has interested you in its uh, take on the neo noir cyberpunk stuff or like the Tex Murphy universe at all?
1: I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say, is it engaging? Absolutely. Is it my my favorite genre? No, it's not. But is the story engaging enough that it, that the genre is just the the tapestry of which that it takes place? Yes, it is engaging enough. I, I will say I do enjoy. Uh, th- there seems to be depth to the story. There seems to be depth to the characters. And because there's enough written in the characters, it's going to stay interesting enough for me to complete it. Will I actually complete the game? Uh, that's kind of an unknown because I often get like 80% through a game and then I see a new shiny, but I will definitely take time and, and, uh, and watch, uh, watch. I will, I will go through this game further. And um, because it's engaging enough, I enjoy it enough. I mean that, that I will, I will, I will go and continue the story. Now I, I will say, sometimes sci-fi themes are more appealing to me but not lately as much uh, i think some of the i think sci-fi is kind of as a whole for me jump the shark a bit but sci-fi from you know like the star trek in its golden era it's like the 90s um i would say is i would enjoy those stories more but i this is not star trek this is you know Tesla Effect, the Tex Murphy adventure. And I do like this. So I'm going to go ahead and give the story an overall rating of an eight. So it's closer to, you know, we're we're just past, you know, that halfway of the better half of of that.
0: So (laughs) certain people within our community might argue about whether or not the nineties
1: was a good time for Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're wrong, but that's okay. They're allowed to be.
0: And this one's <laughs> just for you. This one's just for the Star Trek fans. Voyager threshold. We've talked about story. We've talked about you know everything else. What is your take on the actual game controls, though? Like the interaction and in the environment. Oh, really?
1: Oh, yeah. I thought it was great because, like I said, it for me anyway. I because I'm not like these. Uh, so many games have these different controls, and it takes me a while to get into the controls, and mm-hmm. I don't enjoy having to like read up, like when I, if I, if I put a game down and then I come back to it, I don't want to have to reference a cheat sheet to get to the controls. If That makes any sense. Like, I don't have to like re learn the controls. This one the controls are so simple because of the whole right click interface and everything is right there and how you do things. Cause the tutorial was, was really do- well done that it'd be, it's very easy just to hop right back into it. And, that, and that's, so as much as I like, I'm trying to think what the game is. Um, It's on the switch. Uh, it's one of the Kirby, one of the Kirby adventure movie uh, games. Mm-hmm. I have to re- reference how to do the super moves every time I play. And thankfully I have sync things so I can very, very easily get to it, you know, on any device because I have a little folder with those particular moves for you know, whichever character it's called. I can't remember. Dark Meta Knight, I think is my favorite. Um, it's to me, it's a, it's a harder game for me to hop back into because I have to relearn the controls and it takes me a while. This game, I can hop right back into the controls. Controls are simple. They're intuitive. You know, they just kind of make sense. You know, you use the, the WASD, you know, arrow keys to move around, you use the mouse to interact with the environment like many other games. So it's very simple. I love the controls. I give it a solid 10. To me, what matters
0: is the interaction with the environment. And like you mentioned, the, the WSAD right-click interface definitely helps it. And what makes it even better is the fact that all that stuff is right there in in the interface when you right click. And that matters more, I think, for accessibility and making it Mm -hmm. far better for people to actually be able to, more people to actually be able to play the game. And that to me is probably the biggest thing you can ever ask for in a game.
1: At the end of the day, you
0: want more people to be able to play your game more than anything else. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You don't want the controls to be a stumbling block or a, uh, a difficulty in, in actually playing the game. Yeah.
0: And, and that, to me, I think matters far more. So I'm with you. I'm not going to give it a 10 because the, the... move. I'm not saying the movement feels stiff, but it does feel a little more rough i guess is probably the best way to say it, as far as like the the turning animations and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh in, in fairness you are correct but <laughs> i do really like <laughs> sorry i watching the fmv
1: yeah i think the acting is great in it i, I do like the, the choose your own adventure aspect of it too i don't know how because i haven't played far enough to know but i don't know how it affects like the story like if it if if there's accumulation of effect by making poor decisions or the decisions you make, or if it's just little deviations off of a, of a um, yeah. you know. Uh,
0: I haven't played enough of this that uh, like you, so I honestly couldn't tell you, but if, if this affects the end of the game or the approach that you take with, you know, people remembering all this stuff, kind of like uh, the game I did with Michael for Telltale, um, The Wolf Among Us, I would mm-hmm. be really curious to see that actually happen. So, for me though, I'm going to probably give the controls a, a nine though, just because of that little bit of rough animation feeling when you would actually do some walking, though. Okay. Overall, but I am really do believe that the the W S A D right click left click casual gamer you know interface that they offer is very very welcome and not actually brought up enough in gaming unfortunately because accessibility has become a bigger point of contention for games and you know depending on how you want to look at it that's for some people some people are not about that all matter of preference there's plenty of games that will fit your preference model for the most part sure not every game has to be for everyone novel idea I know that's a weird one, isn't it? So <laughs> with that though, we want to get into the last thing, and that is value. This game generically goes for $19.99 on Steam. Nate, you played this on you know OpenSUSE, obviously. You know that that's the joke. This OpenSUSE
1: Tumbleweed, yes.
0: So you played this on a rolling distro for those that are wondering <laughs> with plasma nonetheless Right.
1: With plasma, but as
0: far as the overall value, do you do, would you consider this a
1: worthwhile twenty dollars purchase? At at, so t- at at that price, so for twenty dollars, it's a little bit more spendy than what I normally pay because I'm a I'm a bargain shopper. But let's let's go ahead and and uh, you know wind it back just a little bit and say like how much like if you so if you play. A game, and you do it for entertainment. Anything entertainment that you do, so let's go to a restaurant, go to a movie, rent a movie, you know, whatever, buy a movie. There's a there's a certain uh, cash investment that's required in doing that. So twenty dollars for a cash investment that is going to be numerous hours of entertainment. So then, if you break it down, let I I could see probably a good five six hours at least from me on this game, probably maybe more in the end. So if you take that, you know. If you if you break that down, and we're talking, you know, a couple bucks an hour, maybe, you know, for of entertainment, is that worth it? I would say yes, but it is a bit on the spendy side. Well, now, would had had you not recommended this game to me, I probably wouldn't have purchased it outright. But because you recommended it to me, I I I would purchase it. I guess because you have good record, you have good game recommendations. So value. <laughs> just I'm a-
0: just not distro recommendations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean. You can't, you can't be run everything, I mean, if you're not, if you're not choosing Open SUSE, I mean, you're not going to get a 10 on your distribution recommendation. Um, so <laughs> actually, I wouldn't even give Open SUSE a 10, I'd give it a nine, but anyway, um, is there areas for improvement as with all distributions? Installer, so <clears throat> I love the installer, but you have to be you have to know what you're doing to use it. So, uh, anyway, there, there's <laughs> um old arguments that I heard, but I, I would say as far as value goes, I'm going to give it a, a six in value because it's, you know, it is a few years old. It's 2014. So $20 even after all this time, and there's, there's not anything physical with it. Like if I had like physical media and 20 bucks, I'd be good with that. If I had something a little bit more than just the digital copy of it, you know, I'd be good with it, but because it's $20 and it's all ones and zeros sitting on my SSD and then, you know, even if even if Valve went away, I would still have it. I guess from my understanding of how their their uh, licensing works. So I guess um, you know I'm fine with it because of the way Valve ha- manages all that. But yeah, I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna give it a six on value. Okay, I, I think
0: because I'm like you, I'm, I'm I tend to be much more frugal about where I spend. Uh, like if I'm gonna drop like a full say sixty dollars on a game. I'm gonna make. uh, I'm not saying I'm going to. I'm just saying I'm gonna make sure, like I'm gonna get sixty dollars worth of enjoyment out of that game. And if it's only a four or five hour game, I'm not gonna see that as, uh, you know, a ten dollar entry fee for every hour as a good, good experience. I mean, there have been some games that, yeah, they're they're short, and have I enjoyed them? But have I regretted saying paying a full sixty dollars for a game? Yes. Um, Heavenly Sword for the PS3. It's like a five hour game. Love the combat, love the story, love, love the atmosphere. I mean, it's got Andy Circus in it. Like, it's, there's a bunch of great stuff about it, but it's short as crap. And I spent a full $60 on it. I regret right. nothing about the game. I regret spending the $60. If it was 40 I would have been fine with it probably. So for me, for a game this old, and you know, this is someone who, collects physical media Uh, 20 bucks it's a bit high I'm not saying it's ungodly high Um, I've seen I've seen it for far more expensive Uh, other games that usually would tend to fall in this genre usually it's it's in the right price bracket for it's comparative brothers and sisters Um, one game that comes to mind that came out recently for Linux which is A fully FMV game is uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and I don't mean the Pink Floyd album. (laughs) (laughs) There's a game, it's an FMV thriller game called Dark Side of the Moon, which, FYI, Nate, has a native Linux version. Ooh. Uh, It's 15, but that's $15. Mm -hmm. Granted, it just came out, but there are other games, like the Shapeshifting Detective and uh, the... Incredulous murder of Dr. Decker, I believe is the, the name of the game that is fully FMV, same deal, but they're like 15 bucks wax still. And that came those came out a few years. So I don't think it's overly priced, but I think for the age of the game, it's pricey. So I'm more of a buy it on sale kind of guy. So if it's like, if it was 15 bucks, 10 bucks, I think I would give it a higher recommendation on the value. But the, Quality of the game is what I have to look at as well. Like, so for me, would I view it as a, a twenty dollars game? I wouldn't feel horrible about spending twenty bucks on it. So, like right. for me, it'd be like a seven on on where it sits as far as the value. So I, I'm not. I'm again, I'm like you where it's like 20 bucks. eh, Like I might not spend that personally, like in that range, but you know, 10, 15 bucks, I'm probably a little more enticed to buy it. Mm -hmm. So I would give it a seven. Uh, ironically, that's the lowest score you've given, which is a six.
1: Right. It is, but Hey, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to play this thing. We're going to play the thing, uh, play the thing straight. Yep.
0: This episode of Gamester is brought to you by Bitwarden. One thing we can do to protect ourselves is having a unique password for every online account we have. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now to do just that. And not only it helps me keep track of my many passwords I now have, it includes a random password generator. And you can set the length of special characters and so much more. Better yet, it's 100% open source, receives third-party security auditing, and you can get started for free by going to bitwarningcom slash DLN. Want some of their premium features, like one gigabyte of file storage, vault health reports, or just to support the project? It starts at only $10 a year. Jump over to bitwarned.com slash DLN to get started with your free account now. And again, for me, that that's the biggest thing, is these game recommendations are meant to expand people's horizons into gaming and mm-hmm. kind of their build their gaming ecosystem shall we say because like you said this is not a game you would have picked
1: well i didn't even know about the original so you know for what that's worth so something tells me now nate's gonna gonna go back at the originals (laughs) there is a there is a strong to almost assured assured likelihood that i will be checking out the original game (laughs) shock surprise
0: It's almost like, it's almost like the, the entire reason I picked this was based on the fact you're a retro gamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gener- generically a retro gamer. You do have modern stuff. But generically, yeah. your you're, you're, you're bread and butter for when you do play video games, for you personally, is more the older stuff.
1: You know, it's typically if, I, if I'm in a game, like if I'm going to carve out some time to game and it's not with my kids, which doesn't happen very often, but if I am, very likely it's running on a nearly 40-year-old system or, or the remake of that nearly 40-year-old system called the C the 64. So um the C64, I should say. But, uh, but yeah, so there's there's that. And and by the way, I have paid, I think, I think when I bought I bought Petsky Robots from the 8-bit guy, mm-hmm. and I got a box copy of it with an adapter to plug in a Super Nintendo controller into the, into it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I spent more than 20 bucks on it but I felt good about it because I got a box copy I got a floppy in there and I got a little 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 thingy to plug into the computer so there's you know, there's that too as far as you know um,
0: there is something to be said about buying physical versus digital
1: mm-hmm. exactly sure. like uh, like
0: my switch games I I have imported more games lately because they're available physically in say Europe or asia or whatever but they have like english subtitles or english gameplay you know whatever mm-hmm. there, there's something to be said about owning it physically
1: yeah well uh, i i yeah. like i like holding something <laughs> i see i see all your things people wind know off why, camera that way people want to know why i collect
0: that stuff it's because there's something physical to it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel limited to a, a service like when the, the PS3 and Vita were being announced, so like, oh, we're shutting down the online. You can't download anything anymore. There go all my digital games. Awesome. Right. Like, like that, that is a real concern. Now, granted, Valve has been very good about when games get delisted that you still have access to them. So mm-hmm. I will give Valve tons of credit because I have like uh, Transformers War for Cybertron, which can't buy digitally
1: anymore, but I can download it on my Steam collection every time. Yeah, and that's awesome. But I missed out on that one.
0: So that wraps up every category. Now, let's really get into the crux of it, though. Uh, you gave audio a nine, graphics an eight, story an eight, controls a 10, and value a six. So yes. we're talking 17, 25, 35. You gave the game a forty-one overall. I did, and for those that want the traditional, you know, the hundred-point scale, just multiply it by two. That's the whole point of the system. You can make this system fit whatever scale you want.
1: Yeah, it works. You, so you, an 82 percent. It's it, a B minus.
0: It's an, <laughs> it's an eighty-two. So that's a eight point two for your ten-point scale. It's an eighty-two for your hundred-point scale. That's a a little over four stars, if you want to go to the four to five star route. Like, right. That there's plenty of ways to translate this to your preferred system. That's why I right. do, do the 50-point scale.
1: So keep uh, it late. Gives it a four out of five stars or yep. 4.2 out of five stars. Yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> so for me, I would generically put it in that same row i'm not gonna give a final score because i'm more of a i have to finish a game in order to actually give a score um like i'm uh, first impression is around what you are yours very much is though as far as um how i view the game it might be a little lower obviously because i'm a little more nitpicky on certain things like the sound being a seven as opposed to an eight that kind of stuff but right overall we're basically in the same neighborhood for stuff. Yeah, I'm,
1: it I'm... is it is by no means a bad game at all. It's a very engaging game. It's it has lots of play value. It has uh, great cutscenes or full motion video, whatever you call them. It has a lot of a lot of really great things going for it. For me, the only thing that you know was the only thing that was hard for me was the twenty dollars purchase. You know, really not a huge deal. Twenty bucks, not a huge deal. But, you know, for me, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't impulse buy it because it's, it's outside of my impulse buy um, threshold, mm-hmm. but I'm also super cheap. So, I mean, I, when I drop a penny, it usually hits me on the back of my head because I'm bending down so quickly to get it, pick it back up. So there is that.
0: <laughs> so with that said, uh, the question is, are you going to continue playing it? And you kind of already answered this a little, little bit earlier.
1: I am actually, I'm absolutely going to continue playing it. I have, I laugh so hard playing the game that it just, it's just too much fun to not continue to play. That's, that's what it boils down to.
0: Yeah. And, and for me, like, is this a game that I'll continue to play? Well, I'm a cyberpunk fan. So, well, that should answer your question right there. There you go. (laughs) Yes. I will continue to play this. Um, it's not going to be at like the, the forefront of like, Gotta play, it, gotta play, got But if I'm in the mood for a story, like solely story-focused game, because really that's what these are. Like, the whole main purpose is like a atmosphere and story. That is the, these games' purpose. This would definitely be on that, really high on that list to to go and play. So I am definitely in the same boat you are as far as that. Awesome. So you have basically a seven point five for me, an eight point one for or eight point two for Nate, or an eighty two, whatever <laughs> category you want to put that in. A forty two, sorry, um, or B minus forty one for for <laughs> Nate. Uh, you know, this is definitely a fun game. Um, yep, I can sure. tell there was a lot of love and effort that was actually put into it for the fans mm-hmm. of this series of games and i can totally appreciate people who do and show a passion for the projects they are a part of and it shows in this game the despite despite little nitpicks and stuff i might have overall it's really a a good game to go and play if you're a cyberpunk or you want like a neo-noir um
1: vibe to a game or just a good adventure game actually it's a good adventure game it is you know it's an exploration adventure game it
0: is very much a explore your environment kind of game, which is hard to find really now. Like good ones nowadays, is. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. So there you guys go. There's another game recommendation. I just expanded. Nate Such so an I, enabler. I, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I own that label like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yep. But, you sure do. So we will catch you guys on the next episode and thanks for tuning in.